Welcome to another episode of Blood, Sweat and Fears, the ultimate podcast where athletes, Olympians and sports people, past and present, talk about the challenges they faced in pursuit of elite sporting success. I'm Mark Clement, alongside me is Scott Ward, a man who's spent more than a decade working on the content that now makes up EY's personal performance programme, Building a Better Working World and indeed this podcast. Serena and Venus Williams, Alistair and Johnny Brownlee, Gary, Phil and Tracy Neville. On this edition of Blood, Sweat and Fears, we're talking sporting siblings. Scott is one of four brothers who had varying degrees of professional football success. And with us, the England netball captain, Serena Guthrie, and her baby brother, the now Stevenage footballer, Curtis. And you're smiling. We haven't had any family rift so far. So what part have you both played in the other's Success. I'll start with you, Serena. I mean, you on the phone all the time. I mean, what you know? Give give us a little flavour of the relationship. Stealing my sweets when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I did. I bullied him up until the fact that he outgrew me, and <laughs> then I had to stop. Yeah, yeah. No, I like to think I told him everything he knows when it comes to football. <laughs> to be honest, um, I think one of my earliest memories with Curtis actually was kicking a football around. Actually, um, we both loved playing football just from a young age because you know you just go out on the street. My mum would go, if we were annoying her, go out and play on the street. And we literally would. Yeah, and then we'd get in yeah. trouble for playing in the street. It's like, what do you want from this woman? You know, <laughs> we're listening to you. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, we, yeah, we used to just kick a football about on a daily basis. If we were going out in the woods on the, you know, to the park, whatever, you'd have one under your arm and that'd be it. Any sort of ball games would just be getting played, but football is probably the main one. Yeah. yeah. And this was growing up on Jersey. Yeah. Which for the benefit of those who don't know is a crown principle Palatey, isn't it? It is. We've got our special rules and a few, yeah, different things going on that allow us to be. We're part of the crown. We're part of the European Union now, okay. but we, we oh, have our own government. Oh, good for you! Thank are you, you. Are you allowed oh, yeah. to stay in it, or, <laughs> or are we going dangerously off course with <laughs> yeah, this let's particular not get into it topic? <laughs> yeah, shall we do that? Shall we do that? I mean, I mean, listen. You know, in terms of in terms of when you're in action, are you watching attentively where you possibly can, and vice versa? Are you both constantly looking at what the others up to? Yeah, or? I think for me, like when Serena obviously went to New Zealand and Australia, it's hard to track games. But then in the morning when I wake up, I track results. But when she's playing for England, if service is on telly, I'll always be watching. Yeah, and if not, I record it and then I can uh, watch it again. But yeah, whenever. So the games over here, I've always got out to competitions and stuff, but it's just the ones away that I struggle with because our schedules clash. And I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, it, are you a prop to each other as well? I mean, is it is it that sort of relationship? You're ringing each other constantly. Maybe I don't know. You've got an injury issue, and you you want somebody to bounce it off who's not like part of the club yeah. you're playing it's for. It's tough because the sports are so different. Like, there's a lot. They're so completely different sports. So. I, although like she's watched me from a young age and I've watched her from a young age, it's hard to then weigh in with obviously opinions or this, that and the other. We'll, he always gives me his opinion. I do, I do, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Are you a net, netball expert? I've been, I've watched it since what, about 12 maybe? So yeah, I think I'm better than the people out there. Yeah, no, but no, but I'll tell you what I watch. I'm not talking about tactical, am I? But what I am talking about is let's say you're having a down moment and something hasn't gone quite right. I mean, you had glandular fever, you know, and you're, you're feeling a bit down and stuff. It must be nice to have somebody that's dead close that you can just have an open, honest, vulnerable conversation with and get a bit of 
Well, I was going to say a bit of support, but from the smirk on your face, I'm not sure she's getting that back. We're a tough love sort of family. Are you? So if you're going, if you're not doing well performance-wise, it's more like pick yourself up and get yourself back to what you can do. It's not arm around you, everything's going to be okay. What, even when she's got glandular fever and the possibility I don't of... think I told him at the time. Yeah. I didn't tell me. Did you keep yeah. it to yourself? I did, yeah, yeah, for a while. Yeah, well, because it was something I was trying to... I didn't want to think too much about it because I was just like trying to focus on the recovery. So everyone kind of knew I had it, but I didn't over. I just didn't want to talk about it. I was like, "Yeah, I've got it, but it's going to be gone eventually." So let's just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> Can I just warn you that uh, we have brought you in on the basis that you have a good regular communication, and we do need to <laughs> fill forty to forty-five <laughs> minutes with this podcast. <laughs> Is there any resonance with you growing up in a, a footballing? household with what the guys are saying i think look in terms of practice of course i mean we'd always be either playing penalties in our front room or going to the park and obviously it's quite rare having four of you playing so it wouldn't take much to get a game going in the park right and you'd be out there all day or in the street kicking people's bushes in getting told off doing it again um and funnily enough i was talking to elliot about this the other day I think it was quite tough for this us. This is one of the four brothers. Yes, Elliot's, we Elliot's got my little Elliot, brother. We got um, Darren. Darren and then Lee, the eldest. Um, and I think, I, I remember the sort of social expectation of us was pretty high from a very early age. You know, I mean, we were in magazines and all sorts. And I remember there being a bit of a gear shift. And at times we we talked to each other like we were talking to the press because we were being functioned to act and correspond in a certain way. And and it's only lately that Elliot and I have been talking about it, and it's just a bit odd. And because we, you know, in in sports sometimes it's a bit speak and repeat, and you get told to, you know, you you want to train, you have to do certain things a certain way, um, and you really you really get everything is sort of hyper hyper intensive, and and so you, it's very hard to remove that state. Um, but Elliot and I would normally be the ones that would have a bit of a laugh. Mm. Darren was a bit more serious, um, but that's just sort of his demeanour. Um, but clearly we would advise each other. Um, but it, I think it's hard. I think it's hard because you, you're all different characters. You do things in different ways. Um, and as much as, you know, when it comes down to it, you always know they're going to be there. But it's, it's, you, can never, you can never live somebody's life for them. So it's, it's half exploration. You fall down, you get up again. Um, but at the end of the day, you do, you do know that they're there for you, of course. There's the, there's the sort of personality description of the Ward brothers. So I want I, I want to know about this fella sitting here, Serena. What's it, what's he like? What's he what's his makeup? What are his values and beliefs? Kurt is the kind of guy who he's talented naturally. He knows it. I think he went through a phase where he got picked up quite early and moved away from Jersey. Which when I say early, he moved to was it eighteen, mm. which. This in is a, when he a, went to Accrington yeah. Stanley. Yeah, yeah, his first club. And I think that was obviously huge. Like with me, I, w I moved away from home at 16, but I had already lived in a high performance environment. Yeah. So I think when Curtis went, it was almost like chucked in the deep end a little bit. Like, here you go, mate. Um, here's a couple of floats. Let's see how you get on. Just go and perform. But to tell a kid, literally as a kid, like 18 years old, you feel like you're not. You feel like you're an adult. But to go in and have to learn what it's like to be in a high-performance environment, I think, in a professional <laughs> environment, it's incredibly tough. And I think, like, he would call me up sometimes, like, oh, yeah, I'm not playing well, I'm not playing, things like that. And it's like, all right, it's okay, like, it's, it's cool. Like, well, I, I come from a from an era where sitting on the bench was part and parcel of, of a rite of passage before, yeah. before you kind of got on court. So 
trying to get that message across to a boy that's in a professional environment where everyone's just got ego and everyone's just want it's just it's just a hundred the whole time. I think you know it's taken him a while probably then just to get that balance right and to understand what it's like to live in that lifestyle as an athlete, um, as a, a young professional. Do you know what I mean? But I think that's the main part though. I think coming from Jersey, where you're training once a week, twice if you can be bothered, to going straight to somewhere where it's like right, it's different as well. I think if you come in at the top level. Everything's given to you, and you're surrounded. Whereas Accrington isn't an easy school to live. In. I went there, especially at that time as well. I went there. You're training at a rugby club. Yeah. The, like the gym is, if you want to call it that, and you're playing with probably seasoned pros who are just hardened with the game. A lot of Northerners, they were from Liverpool at the time. I think I was the youngest in the team at 18. There's nothing the matter with Northerners, thank you. Very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bit hard. It is, it is when you come from Germany. Yeah, you yeah. Out of people. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. South as South could get, remember? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a whole different world, and it's just like, go and do it. And if you're not doing it, you don't understand why. There's nobody in my family who's had anything to do with football. Serena was down in Bath at the time um, doing netball, but the, when I would go down and visit her, I'd go to the Bath University, and they have the world at their feet. Like, and you've got people going through everything with your gym, somebody's right there making sure with absolutely everything. It's only like the last few years, probably down at low 11 now, that you've got everybody's got GPS and this and the other, whereas back then you didn't have that. So, so how are you not allowing that to become resentment? Because, because you're, you're subject to those facilities, but Big Sis is with an elite training squad and has got those but, kind of facilities because the mind can play yeah. tricks even when yeah, it's your yeah. beloved sister at, that, at that time though it was never even like that even when I was little so say Serena would start doing athletics I'm going to go start doing athletics Serena's doing cross country I'm doing cross country rivalry Oh, I think. Mm, yeah, I we, think the motto in our house was if you're not well. fast, you're last. <laughs> yeah, <it> was. <laughs> that was it. It was that simple. Yeah, it was, it was. If we're running up a hill and you're the last one to be run up that hill, you're just going to get hammered until you start crying and then you get told to grow up. <laughs> that was, that was old, it. Good old ear flick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not what you want. But I think, yeah, like for me, like I think I've never heard the fact that Serena has been a big, a big thing for me with sport because. Even before I knew it and I turned professional or was ever going to get picked up, to get picked up at 18 from a place that has no foundations to any professional place mm. is is ridiculous. So just even looking back on when we were little and growing up and just having that person to look up to and who's always there. So whether it's running in Jersey, you want to you be the best, just to be the best at everything. Like even in the household, playing games on the PlayStation, you don't want to lose. Because then you're just going to get it until you cry and break down and then have to get better at the game. So I think that has held me in a lot of good stead. How? What does it, it, it enable you to take into... Your skin thickens. Does it? People say a lot of... There's always going to be people that like you and always going to be people that don't like you and that's just the way it goes. But when you're out, you're having a bad game and you've got fans saying this, that and the other, you know that your teammates are looking at you that look like you need to step it up, your manager's upset. You can like go one or two ways, and I think I'm always somebody that the more I'm getting hammered, the better I play, because mm. I, I just your mentality is it's not going to be me, and there's only one way to go in my mind, and that's just the power through. When you said he's talented, mm. was there a slight? I don't think it was a question mark in your voice, but there was there was a pause around it, or some exclamation marks, or something. I didn't think it was absolutely pure. Are you questioning? 
No, no, he's, he's, gone he's, about no, he's definitely talented. But okay. I think Curtis... What do you want to say? Took him a while to get training ethic, I think. Yeah, I and And now he's got that, I think he started to excel. And even in a club that's not necessarily excelling, the fact that he can now excel in an environment where a club isn't doing the best they could possibly do, I think that speaks volumes. <clears throat> I think it's easy when you're an athlete in a team sports goer and we're losing... We're we're not we're going to end up mid table or you know potential bottom, lower half this year. So let's just cruise it. It's easy to do that, I think, and you can hide, I think, and definitely just diffuse your responsibility within the, within a team environment when things aren't going well. But then also, I think what speaks volumes is seeing those athletes that are still doing well for their club and being accountable and having trying to have an impact. Because I think that's for me that's what links back to values and morals and why you get out of bed in the morning. Do you know what I mean? I think without that as an athlete, you're a bit lost. So, you know, I think you, even from yourself though, last season, as I said to you before we started recording, I've watched Serena play quite a lot last season, and you know, you're in a team that was struggling at times. I think in terms of it's from a from a spectator's perspective, in terms of experience around the whole team and being game wise, you were the one that would constantly try and drive the pace of the play, and let's say encourage your team <laughs> to do better and. You know, I remember sitting there, new to the sport, thinking, wow, she really means this. Um, at a time where there are teams, there is a level, there is a level in the Super League, isn't there, of some teams that have got, have been in existence for longer, have got a bit more money perhaps, and more maybe worldly-wise players, and they can see games out. And the more games that I started to watch, the more I realised that she really just wanted to influence her teammates. And although she may know that they're not always going to win, it's about really just competing and sustaining that level of competitiveness, competitiveness until the end of the game. And I found that quite inspirational. And, and, and the, my kids that were with me watching her play, and obviously in the World Cup in the summer, I felt so sorry for the team. Looking at the 24-hour turnaround, knowing how hard it would have been to do that with a few days in between, it being expected to compete for the whole game 100%, then get your recovery in, then do the same the next day, and then do the same the next day, that's nearly an impossible task. Mm. Then to find out that you've been unwell, <laughs> where you're having to manage yourself, and let's be honest, when you're captain, you're taking on the mantle, right? So expectancy was there that you have to lead from the front. And I could see at times you were tired <laughs> and you didn't want to come off because yeah. it's in you to sustain that level of performance. And so, you know, my, I just remember thinking when I, when I read about your story, you know, what was what was driving you to sustain that level of performance? Was it expectation of others or was it the fact that you were scared of failing yourself? Because it's not, I mean, to sustain that level of performance. And has she always been like this? Is the question coming your way <laughs> when she's answered Scott? It's a bit of both for me. Like I think I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by players that worked really hard. Not all super talented, you know, a bit, a bit of a mixture of both. When I was a bit younger, I was Curtis's age when I was in Bath. Mm. Um, I had really good role models within the sport to kind of go, oh, OK, this is how it should needs to be done or should be done. And then I was then really, really fortunate to be captain and led by people that wanted to get the best out of the team, despite result. So whilst the result in a professional and elite kind of level is the be all and end all in a way, I also got taught, I think, quite early on in my 20s about how to carry yourself and what 
being a team actually means in terms of the culture that you create. So when I started to kind of move into that more senior kind of realm, I guess the last four years and be given leadership roles and all of a sudden everything's changed and people are asking me my opinion for stuff. I remember like calling, I call them my mum a couple of times. Like, why are they asking me my opinion? <laughs> like, I'm just a joker in the team that works their ass off, gets in and gets out and it's all for the team. And I was like, that's why, you know, that's why it's because you're a hard worker and you want the best for the team. And Leading by example. Yeah. yeah. And like for me, I know the one thing that I do have my one strength when it comes to like most sports, my physical attribute. I know I'm fit, I'm athletic, I'm strong. So those are things that I want to get across every time I play. Um, and I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do, I guess, with my own performance is inspire others that they can do the same. So that's how I've always been. So I, in terms of the World Cup, I expected myself to be of a certain level because I pre in my previous year, the season I had over in Sydney, I, 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 I did excel yeah. and I really started to reach my potential. I'm, you know, become one of the a world beater player opposition player, which is where you want to be, I think, when, when you start any sport. Well, for me, I just wanted to be the best I can be and... and I start to realise I could be potentially one of the best in the world, so that's what I'm going to aim for. So then that expectation for me, I wanted to go into that competition being a, a world beater. I wanted to be someone that people come up against knowing that they're going to get a hard time, that they're not going to, it's not going to be an easy ride for them. And then amongst that, I think within the team, we've got expectations on each other. Mm. Like being captain for me didn't change my level of perception on what I need to give to the team because I feel like I was already given enough. Um... I think the one thing that changed for me was the social, like you were saying, a bit like the social expectation around that competition. Like, it, didn't, it wasn't anxiety, but I was like, I'd go to bed and I'm like yeah. thinking more about things that I just would never think about, you know? Um, like, oh, changing room talks, what am I going to say? And it's like, I never think about that stuff. I just do it, you know? Like, and um, that's yeah, a I huge think, responsibility, isn't it? It is, the, yeah. When you, it when is. you reach the point that you reached, <laughs> it's like the eyes of the country are on you. Yeah, but that's also a privilege as well. So kind of the rational side of me, and this, that comes with experience, I think, as well. Like, if I'd been younger, I don't think I wouldn't be able to cope um, mm. as much with that, that type of pressure. But then being older, you start to realise that actually, like, being rational about it, I don't need to be anything different. I need to, don't need to, all I need to be is me. And I know I've got good values and morals, and that, that's enough for the team, not even about moving outside of that. So that's kind of where that, that's, where, that's how I levelled myself out a bit. You do get the, ir the irrational side. Every athlete does. Doesn't matter before big competition. Can I do this? Do I still have glandular fever? Oh, I'm tired. I've two days on a trot too hard. I'm feeling tired. I've, I've still got it. I know like, oh, I haven't. It's gone. Just get it out yet and just move on. That sort of imposter syndrome almost yeah. then as well. And it's natural. It's literally well. like, yeah. you know, any kind of sports psychology book, you open it up and, and you know, these are the, just the natural processes that all athletes go through when there's pressure. So has she always been on it? Yeah, I'd say, yeah, competitive side, like, that's what it is. That's what she is. She loves to compete. I think from when it was running to football to netball. She'd be playing netball and she'd come back to Jersey, sign for a team for a few days, play a game on a, on a Saturday or Sunday morning, and then she flies back to go and play um, netball. And that's her job at the time, just because she likes the competitive side of it. And I think that's that's what it is. If you've got the talent and you love to compete, I think that's when you can well, really get to the top. Wait a second. You said you were competitive. She said you were competitive, but she also said that you and you agreed that your training regime at first you you weren't quite on groove. Can so I just why not? Say as well, though, see on that when you're saying about coming home and playing another. Don't match, think you're escaping that question. No, you're not. We're coming back to you. <laughs> that I think that's also a sign of netball. I think that 
the the closeness of players to the fans and inspiring inspiring the community and the coaching camps that a lot of the players do, there's still there's still a real desire to inspire, like a, an honest desire to inspire people, knowing what it felt like for you. And so you've still got. It seems like they've a lot of the players still got a natural love for the game, because it hasn't been polluted by silly money or is are there commercial drivers that sit behind that decision? It's no, I want to play because the fact that a lot of you have had jobs and effectively been professional athletes alongside that yeah, yeah. is unbelievable. And the work ethic you've all got and the fitness levels to sustain that at the same time, I don't think a lot of people from the outside in understand it. And then for you, uh, um, for me, it must have been hard for you to come back from Australia because the level is the, really, it's the pinnacle, isn't it? It's yeah. the best. It's competitive. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that a hard decision for you to do as well? Like for yourself, mindfully, was that hard to, to decide on doing? I knew I was going to miss the competition because I loved anything. If you love anything, you miss it, right? It's at some stage. But then... Yeah, I think like I, but I was at that point where in my life as well, where I, where I knew in terms of like what I needed to do from a fitness perspective, from a strength perspective, that even though I can't replace that competition, I know that I can physically be in a place where I can compete. Yeah. It's just the only thing I won't get was that element of pressure week in week out against people really going at you um, because of the nature of that fact that it's professional. People can train normal times of the day. So it means that their, their improvement rates and, you know, their consistency rates are just you know, off the scan out there. So I think it was something, it was a big decision on based on that. If it could, but it wasn't just a netball decision for me. I was making a netball decision and I would have stayed out there. It, it had to, and I knew that I wasn't going to necessarily be happy staying out there just for the netball, which means that chances are I wouldn't have performed anyway. So, f yeah. yeah, for me, it was just like making that making that decision around like actual happiness and still try and have an impact with my sport. And the one thing I said to my coach, Team Bath, I said, so what's your goals or aspirations for this year? I said, obviously, I'd love to win the competition, but then what I really want to do is be a part of someone else's journey and trying to help them to, to become better. Because I think that's... Like, when you say, like, people are still passionate about the sport and wanting to inspire and things like that, I, I totally agree with you, and it's because we've not been fully professionalised yet and there isn't... Um, people telling you where you need to be or where you need to play or where you need to go. As, uh, not, not yet. And I do hope that's one thing we... And I do think we will hold on to that as netball does professionalise. I think we've, we, sometimes the advantages of not being that sport that has professionalised, that you see all the mistakes and you see all the things that happen in those grey areas as like different clubs start to get bigger or lose money and things like that. So I think for us, we are fortunate enough at the moment to have a group of a solid group of like players you know high level players that do want to carry those values and 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 genuinely inspire mm. but you know we all know that as things grow that those things do get lost and that's just what happens it doesn't matter if it's in sport it's also in business you have with businesses startups you know people go oh, two years ago it was great and then all of a sudden all those things get lost because of you know money wow. essentially isn't it so yeah, yeah. and life is constantly changing and situations are constantly evolving and exactly. what got us here is not necessarily <laughs> going to be the thing that gets us 
there. If you're a regular listener to the Blood, Sweat and Fears series, then you'll know that of late a lot of our podcasts have expanded to become two-parters, and today is no exception. So for the time being, thanks to Serena, to Curtis and to Scott, and thanks to you for listening. If you've only recently found us, then don't forget to check out our previous episodes. All podcasts in the Blood, Sweat and Fears series are on iTunes and via the EY website by visiting ey.com forward slash UK forward slash PAS forward slash podcast. For more information about the programme itself, please visit ey.com forward slash UK forward slash personal performance programme. I'm Mark Clement, brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Blood, Sweat and Fears, the ultimate podcast with a focus on athlete experiences, readiness and preparation for life in and out of sport. Goodbye for now. Listen out for part two.